Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing Zillow's implosion, your office beckons, and the 401 Extra K. So maybe we should have just called it the 401kk uh, <laughs> instead of the extra k, but uh, but we are going to get to that story plus several others that we came across this week and how it applies to you and your finances. Real quick though, did you see that uh, YNAB? They talk about upping their prices, man. So speaking of your finances, uh, like YNAB is uh, stands for you need a budget, which yeah, is yeah. one of the best sites out there for you to figure out how to budget well. And we've we've loved their mission for a long time. We love what they're up to, but. 
a lot of YNABbers are not so happy right now because it's going to cost them a little bit more to use YNAB starting uh, next month, right? Starting December 1st yeah. this year. Uh, inflation, it's hitting us all, right? <laughs> it is. It's true, yeah. <laughs> it uh, definitely hitting the YNABbers. What's funny is that, unfortunately, folks who use YNAB are probably the most likely to notice a price increase like this. So <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You know we're going to see this this price increase. We track our money using your software. Exactly. But uh, well, yeah, what, what do you think about that price increase? I though? mean, I, I think it's really, what is it, 15 bucks a year. It's for a software. A $15 a year increase. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and so I think if you're on the, the month-to-month payment plan, it's like it's a lot more than that. It's something like 30 35 bucks a year difference, but you should pay for it all at once. That's totally. What, yeah, if you're going to use it. Uh, but I, I think if uh, YNAB, the average user, I would say, w- would tell you that that software has saved them thousands of dollars. And it's not that you can't do it by yourself. Like, you know, Matt, you like the old Excel spreadsheet style. Oh, yes, I do. And you don't pay for any sort of fancy software. No, but for I the, don't. But for the kind of person who it's going to work <laughs> for, uh, 15 bucks should not make enough of a difference. And I get it. It's it annoying. Yeah. Uh, but if it's if it's helping you, if it's like the perfect organizational tool for you to get your money together, then you should, you know what, take it like a champ and <laughs> keep paying the extra 15 bucks a month. Because it's a it's really good at what it does. All right, forget that. I'm going to provide the counter argument, which is kick YNAB to the curb. Oh snap! Uh, because uh, I will agree with you. Like you said, if you are just getting started, if you're a noob when it comes to budgeting and it's not something you've ever done, then yes, going with something where you've got a little bit little bit of skin in the game, so you've got some accountability because you are actually spending your money to better your finances in this way. And so in that way, I see YNAB helping. But if well, well been... at the same time, by the way, YNAB is, is it's also actually giving you some of the tools to do better with your sure. money. It's kind of acting like a goad to to push you in the right direction. Totally. But that being said, if you have been budgeting for a while and you are no longer a noob, I am going to provide the counter argument and say that uh, this might be a good little nudge, a little push out the nest uh, for you to maybe start budgeting on your own, like using Excel like I do. But it, that also costs money. And so use something like LibreOffice. We've talked about them before. Even Sheets, like using Google Sheets or uh, uh, Numbers if you have a Mac. But these are all different options where you have access to software. And when you start a new file, you can use, like a lot of them have built-in templates yep. to create a budget. And so it would not be that difficult to literally just manually import your numbers from YNAB and be like, okay, I'm just going to create what's there on here. And that actually makes me think of another thing. Like one of the benefits of YNAB is that it has the, it basically automatically imports your data, right? Like your transactions. And a lot of folks will say, well, I don't want to have to manually copy things over or type them out. And don't see that as a flaw. I actually see that as a benefit. I literally think that the fact that I have to copy and paste my transactions and place them in the right category, that helps Kate and I to rein in our spending. I think it's it a has, feature, not a bug. Yes, absolutely. It has, it has kept our lifestyle inflation in check. Uh, it's kept us from raising our personal debt ceiling, so to speak. Uh, and so instead of seeing that as something that you have to do, see that as a practice, right? It's sort of like going for a run. Not many people... Uh, actually enjoy going for a run, but you know that it's good for you and you know that it's going to lead to better outcomes in the future. So just keep that in mind, please. Okay, so different okay. reactions for different folks based on the YNAB increase. And I'm curious to hear what How to Money listeners are, are going to do here. And so post in our Facebook group. And if you didn't know we had a Facebook group, it's super helpful. Uh, different How to Money listeners helping each other out. Go join that. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, are you going to take this one lying down and just keep using YNAB because... It's like you know, basically the best software out there, 
from your standpoint, or are you going to go in mass direction and say, all right, I'm, I'm curbing this $100 a year cost. I'm going to go DIY. I would, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. And one other thing, I think this might be the perfect time to share my personal budget. So basically like the, the template that I use within Excel, maybe what we'll do, I'll go in there and uh, wipe out all of my you know, personal information. <laughs> you don't need to know all of my details, but I will include a file within our show notes for this episode that you can download and maybe that will work for you. There you go. Yeah. Free, free template from <laughs> the man himself. <laughs> all right, Matt, let's move on. Let's get to the Friday flight. This sampling of stories we found interesting this week and how they pertain to your finances. And the first one, we got to talk about the 401 extra K. And so if you're the kind of person who likes to max out their retirement accounts, if you're, if you're that type of person, we've got good news for you. The personal contribution limit for your workplace 401k just went up by 1k by a thousand dollars there you go so instead of nineteen thousand five hundred dollars uh like that that's the limit for this year next year you're going to be able to contribute twenty thousand five hundred dollars the same is true for 457 and 403b plans so yeah if you're a go-getter if you're a max saver this is music to your ears you're like i can pop more money away for the future get more tax advantage dollars for my future retirement self and so yeah we would say adjust your paycheck contributions accordingly starting at the beginning of next year so that you're able to take that extra thousand bucks and stick it in that account sadly though no changes for the ira limits you're still stuck at six thousand bucks a month although that does allow for a nice round even five hundred dollar contribution every month in order to max that out the irs did uh increase they bumped up those in income limits uh so you you may be eligible to contribute to an IRA when maybe you weren't before if you're one of those higher wage earners. Uh, Joe, let's talk about working from home because, man, these days it seems like everything pandemic related is kind of coming back to earth. All the things that blew up and were really popular last year seem to be deflating a little bit. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about like the, the stock price for Zoom, Peloton. They've, <laughs> uh, they've fallen off a cliff. Uh, but it is not just like those uh, work from home stocks that are suffering. Employees are being dragged back into the office as well. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They just published a chart showing the rapid decline of folks who are working from home these days. Back in midsummer of last year, something like 35% of folks uh, were working from home. Now it is less than 12%. It's a surprising, dramatic decrease, especially yeah. like last I didn't expect to see a drop off last a summer. Like that. Last fall, folks were talking about, oh, the future of work has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going to be different forever. And it's like, no, people still want to be able to you know work together in teams, see each other in person. Or, or at least managers want that. <laughs> That is, yeah, that is true. I don't know if all the employees do. <laughs> and so things are, yeah, they're, they're kind of getting back to normal all over the place, including the workforce. And so we mentioned this because if you want to keep working from home, you might have to uh, negotiate for your ability to do so. You might have to flex those employee muscles a little bit. That's right. So if you are one of those employees who is being beckoned and you're like, no, I don't want to, you're resisting with every fiber in your being. But at some point, you're not going to have a choice. Well, uh, we would say you have options. Given the the current state of things, you can always push back on that request or that demand. We've talked about the great resignation, right? Employers are feeling it. And if you're a good employee, they don't want you to quit. Uh, So yeah, use your desire or your need to work from home as a negotiation tool with your current employer. And if they're not going to budge, you can always test the waters of the job market 
word on the street is there's lots of positions available. We've seen that. More (laughs) positions than actual people looking for jobs and wages are popping. You know, worker worker pay and benefit increases just set a record for the highest three-month increase since they started keeping records on this stuff something like 20 years ago. And so, as we've said before, wage increases are at their highest for those who are switching jobs, not for those who stay. So, you might find that you have more flexible benefit opportunities, including working from home. Uh, and you can use that as a negotiation tool with a future employer. And you can even bring back that new job offer with those more flexible terms to your current employer. If you actually want to stay, you don't just have to take it lying down and be a sucker and start commuting again five days a week. That's true. Yeah. This is a, a conversation I was having actually recently with one of my tenants. We were talking about the state of things and she mentioned how she hadn't gotten a raise in over two years. Well, that's borderline criminal. And I, dude, I told her, I was like, uh, I bet there's a good chance that you deserve <laughs> you deserve definitely a raise. And it's one, she has a very specific job that can't easily be filled. She works in a research lab here in Atlanta. But secondly, I mean, I, I think what you want to do is you want to go about this in a way to show and prove your value to your employer. We wouldn't necessarily recommend that you just kick in the door and say, hey, I deserve more money. <laughs> but going through it in a methodical way and and showing your accomplishments, you know, by documenting the different projects you've worked on, basically finding any way to quantify the value uh, and what you've brought to that company. Those are the kind of steps that you need to take in addition to maybe coming back to the HR manager with an, an offer that you got from another company. Sometimes that's like the, the big kahuna right there. Like, it's like <laughs> that's the only way to actually get, or like get what you want. All of the above approach, whatever it yeah. takes for you to uh, see a fatter paycheck every single month. That's the kind of thing that we want you to do. And, you know, Joel, it also might be time to consider working for yourself. You know, become your own boss. Were you firing me? <laughs> hey, you work for yourself. Yes. I work for myself. We are partners, buddy. <laughs> uh, besides the the benefit of making your own rules, like drinking beer whenever you want, uh, <laughs> because it's a part of the show. It's <laughs> part of the podcast. That could get out of hand depending on what your line of work is. We, we have set limits. <laughs> uh, but it turns out that entrepreneurs are happier than the standard normal working stiffs out there, but they are also more stressed. Uh, we, we don't want to gloss over that point. But this is according to a new study from King's College London. And, you know, this makes total sense. Entrepreneurs are, they're usually pursuing a dream. Uh, entrepreneurs, they often find more meaning in work and they and they also just have more autonomy over their time, even if they're spending more of their time at work. And just so much of the entrepreneurship versus paid employee discussion comes down to your personality and your desires. And so if you prioritize freedom over, you know, basically everything else out there, then quitting your day job, that might be the best option for you. Yeah. If you've got that brave heart mentality, right? <laughs> the freedom. Yeah. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he totally, I saw you set that ball. You're yeah. going you gonna, to you gonna spike it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to do it. Of course I am. <laughs> and I, I agree though. That, that is, it, it's funny. Most people who end up pursuing entrepreneurship, they end up working more hours, but they're more fulfilling hours and sometimes more stressful hours, but it does lead to higher levels of happiness for most folks who go down that that route. Yeah. Well, and it's worth mentioning too. I mean, in the same report, they, they, they highlighted the fact that it doesn't necessarily pay more than the standard nine to five right. jobs as well. And so it kind of comes down to personality the, type and personality, but then just the problem that you're trying to solve, right? Because right? if you have a happiness problem, Well, then entrepreneurship is definitely going to be something that can address that problem. But if we're talking about a money problem, not all entrepreneurs get rich. <laughs> uh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who fail uh, and find out that it's not for them. In addition to the fact that most of them are making less than they would otherwise. And I'm, I'm sure part of that has to do with the fact that you're you're working more hours anyway. So you're 
income kind of gets diluted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your hourly rate goes down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But definitely something to keep in mind. Totally, totally. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about e-bikes for a second. Uh, there was a... Uh, Everyone knows we like bikes. We like e-bikes. And there was a recent story from uh, the New York Times reported that e-bikes are more popular than electric cars. While uh, I'm all about electric cars personally, used to have that Nissan Leaf. It was it was a lot of fun to drive, even though it had like a 42 mile range, something like that. It was pretty pathetic. Uh, <laughs> and they're getting better these days. I, I love seeing these stats from the Pew Research Center uh, about how many Americans are adopting e-bikes these days. Half a million folks in this country bought an e-bike last year, Matt. That's a lot. That is awesome. When you look at the it's a e- ton of folks, but it, it just makes me happy. Yeah. Thinking about all the folks riding around with smiles on their faces. Exactly. There's so many more people riding e-bikes and just biking more in general because e-bikes are a thing and because they've gotten good and popularized. But when you look at the numbers, only 230,000 electric vehicles, actual cars, were sold. That makes e-bikes by far the most popular form of electric transportation these days. And projections show that 130 million e-bikes are likely to be sold uh, between 2020 and 2023. I saw that, which is crazy. Worldwide. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you hear us talk about biking a lot, but it goes in one ear and out the other, and you're like, those guys are idiots and it doesn't work for my lifestyle, and you come up with an excuse every single time, we would say, think again, because e-bikes are a silver bullet, really, for so many people. They are that solution to kill a car in your life or to save on gas. Uh, and to just enjoy yourself and yeah. get some physical activity out there on the bike uh, for, for so many folks who would never <laughs> get on just a regular traditional bike because hills, right? They suck. Uh, well, e-bikes are a, a good solution. So Hills yeah, are good for the heart, though. Right, It is. It's true. So if, if it works for your lifestyle, though, we would say join the e-bike movement. Yep. Consider getting an e-bike, selling a car, and, you know, we're, we love EVs too, like electric cars, but e-bikes are, for most people... They're getting cheaper, and they make a whole lot of sense for the way a lot of people live. Totally. Yeah. Long-time listeners know that we are big fans of bikes. It was actually the very first episode that we ever recorded was uh, about biking. <laughs> Don't go listen to it, because, <laughs> because it was, I think it was, it was a terrible episode. Yeah, you might run your e-bike into a tree or something. <laughs> but I will say I am more of a recent e-bike convert. I mean, I'm still bucking the trend. Like, I don't have a bike with motors or, or batteries hooked up to it yet. You have a gas-powered I bike. used to hate. I used, No, yeah. <laughs> I've got a diesel-powered bicycle. <laughs> yeah, I coal roll with my bike. <laughs> but I did used to hate on e-bikes because I felt like it was cheating. But I have gotten over that because of the idea that, like, I was convincing myself that, well, if you are going to bike more often because you have an e-bike, well, then that's that's a win, and I can get behind that. Yeah. But it turns out the data also supports this. There's a study uh, recently, and they talked about how if you have an e-bike, you're two times, at least two times more likely to ride it than a traditional bike. And so for all the e-bike haters out there, And uh, this is data to back up the fact that more people are biking uh, and e-bikes are leading to that explosion in bike riding. Yes, I think that is definitely the case. All right, we got more to get to, including what happened with Zillow uh, the past week or two. It's, It's not been good. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out cachava. Just go to cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money asking the right questions can greatly impact your future especially when it comes to your finances so if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Joel, so we were just recounting our trip to Scotland. This is the trip that we took this time last year, actually, with some of our friends over the weekend. And one of the highlights from Edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial.
All right, we're back from the break. We've got several other stories we're going to get to include. We're going to talk about some real estate. We're going to talk about financial advisors. But first, we've got our ludicrous headline of the week. Of the week. And uh, this one was from listener Gary. And the headline reads, Christian radio host gets three life prison terms for bilking listeners out of millions of dollars. What a total piece of trash. <laughs> this guy is out of Texas. Uh, and I can, I don't know. We joke about things, and we're pretty lighthearted, but this one made me really upset. When you steal money from people, oh and when you use your position in authority to, that when people trust you, and then yeah. you take their hard-earned dollars uh, for your own personal gain, yeah, no, I think you could call that person a piece of trash. Yeah, piece of trash for sure. Uh, and this is actually, this is affinity fraud, which is one of the most common ways that people get scammed. This is, essentially, this is what Bernie Madoff did. He, he ran in the same fancy New York circles as many of the investors he stole from. Uh, and this quote unquote Christian did the same thing, you know, whether it was on radio, he had books that were all centered around religion and faith and money. And he was conning these folks. Uh, and so, you know, this guy specifically, it felt like a similar con to what, like what Bernie was doing. But it does feel even worse, though it's just as common when someone you go to church with or who talks about their faith openly is using that commonality to, you know, prey on victims to steal their money. And it, it also feels worse, too, since this dirtbag, he was also targeting seniors who may not have an opportunity to earn back what they lost. I mean, these fo- these are folks who are they're looking at their Social Security payments and they're not sure if they're going to have enough money to right. last them uh, through their retirement. They don't have that ability to make up some of that lost ground. That's right. Yeah. So just word of the wise, when you hear something is too good to be true, it probably is. And the worst kinds of scams often come from people that are uh, in your community. Um, and I hate to say that because because Matt and I put a whole lot of value in community and local community and building that community where you live. But uh, you, you have to watch out for yourself yeah. because stuff like this goes down this, from this, time to time. Yeah, this makes me think of like, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. You know, like he is there among the others. Like, in this case, pretending, like, I would venture to say he's not a Christian, yeah. right? If he's within the circles and taking advantage of people. Put aside Christian values. This isn't even, like, a decent thing for just human beings to do to one another, just right. generally speaking. And so I would be willing to go out on a limb to say that, at least at the time when he was defrauding these folks. Yeah, so thanks to listener Gary for sending us a really depressing, uh, ludicrous headline of the week this week. <laughs> but uh, Let's just go ahead and wrap it up. Let's just end, end on a low note, <laughs> yeah. right? No, we've got other, other good stuff to get to. But of course, we would say scams aren't just limited to grandparents losing their money. There's been a rise uh, of crypto scams that are using social media to con you out of your Bitcoin, too. This was an article from CNET. And these scams are often coming from accounts that are impersonating celebrities or other well-known individuals. And oftentimes, these accounts are verified. They might have the, the checkmark going on up Blue top. Checkmark. So oh, yeah. they, they look legitimate. Scammers uh, will work to get an account verified under a pseudonym. And w- then once they've got that checkmark, they'll change names to Elon Musk <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and then the fraud begins because we know people uh, listen to pretty much every tweet from Elon Musk. But this is happening on YouTube too, where fraudsters are stealing other folks' old videos to impersonate a live event. Then viewers are directed to donate to a charity or there's a promise that you can win some crypto if you just send a little bit over yeah. first. Like a, yeah, send some 
your money over, and then you can be entered into this uh, sweet crypto sweepstakes. It's like a little Red Rover game uh, <laughs> where you end up <laughs> losing hard. And these should really all be red flags, right? We would say, don't let the urgency that comes with some sort of a, a live YouTube event or the FOMO, the fear of missing out that's accompanied the rise of cryptocurrencies as we've seen Bitcoin and Ether just like skyrocket in value. Don't let that FOMO get the best of you. Uh, don't fall prey to these crypto scams that want to actually siphon your money, not make you rich. That's right. And Joel, you mentioned this, but the live events on YouTube, that urgency, I think that is the particular strand that's going around right now that makes it seem like this is a limited time event. Because in all of these cases, when there's more time, people have the ability to step back, think through it a little bit, and they're Tamp like, down the emotions. wait a minute, no, that's a, that's a total scam. Or they have time to talk to a friend about it. And then that friend's saying, no, man, th- like you don't need to be doing that. <laughs> right. But when you have a live event on YouTube, it creates that false sense of urgency. And it, it, it truly does feel like that you have to act now. And so keep an eye out for these specific versions, this iteration of this uh, the scam that's been going yeah, around. That, yeah, so, so many of these worst scams really prey on that sense of urgency. Yeah, it makes me think like back in the day, like infomercials where it's yeah. like, call now <laughs> and then you'll get your free gift. Limited time only. And it's <laughs> that, like, that comes with the knives. Actually, that same infomercial runs every night for months on end. <laughs> you thought you were only going to get 16 knives. Well, you're actually going to get 24. Right. Uh, man, let's keep going. Rich millennials are saying no to financial advisors. We, we talked about why uh, financial advisors, why they're not all bad back in episode 206 last year, but they still don't make sense for the vast majority of folks and especially millennials. Some folks just, first of all, they don't have enough money to invest in order to make it worth their time and effort. And then many advisors don't offer the services that young investors uh, that they're wanting and that they're needing. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, they profiled uh, some younger investors who want nothing to do with the old guard of financial advisors. They would rather DIY it. That's kind of the route that we recommend for a lot of folks to follow. Uh, they want to pick their own investments without others' input. Uh, and there's been a 20% uptick in the number of young, wealthy households who are opting to manage their own investments. And generally speaking, I think this is a good thing. Yeah, I think there's been an element to which technology has solved some of those problems that maybe 30 years ago, uh, you, you might have needed the help of a financial advisor. And today, it's a lot easier. There's a lot more information and technology to help you go it alone and do well when it comes to investing. But so much of like whether you do opt to go go the professional advisor route or you opt to do it yourself depends on your specific situation. Like if you know your own propensity to do dumb things with your investment, to like you're like, I, I, I've fallen prey to the Robin Hood speculative tr- uh, trader syndrome and I'm going, I'm, I'm hopping on the app five times a day, 20 times a day uh, and I'm making moves. Well, we would say an advisor can help you stay the course. You might be one of those people who you're trying to allocate your money in the right way, but behaviorally, you need some help. Yeah, you need some handholding or you need some coaching, right? I don't want to say handholding because it makes it sound like you're a baby uh, <laughs> or like you're a little toddler. But sometimes you need that coach there to be at your side yelling at you, be like, come on, no, you can do it. Yes. Get your hand off of the buy button or, or the sell button. Right. Or, or let's say you're in a specific financial situation where the stakes are high. You, yes. you might want to bring in some professional help then too. Like, uh, for instance, a certified student loan professional. If you're trying to make a decision about how to repay a massive pile of student loan debt, if your income is is something like seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year, but your student loan debt is something like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Then th- that might be a place you'd want to go turn to for advice. But here's the thing: only do business with an advisor who is a fee-only fiduciary. If they're not, we would say 
run away uh, that you only want to do business with that particular brand that particular flavor of financial advisor yeah it's when your incentives are going to be aligned and joel speaking of fees you know like some folks out there might think that a smart way to avoid paying fees you know directly to an advisor might be going with investments that are actively managed so these are the funds that have someone making decisions you know sometimes they got they have teams of folks who are researching they're crunching the numbers all in an effort you know so that their uh, their fund sees outsized returns. And so it's where you convince yourself to pay a premium on the investment so that you avoid paying a potentially larger premium to an advisor. Well, that's actually wrong. It turns out that paying for these fancy funds would be a complete waste of money because a recent uh, analysis by Morningstar demonstrated that only 47% of actively managed uh, mutual funds outperformed their passive counterparts in the past 12 months. That is a terrible rate of success. <laughs> and when investors are paying on average at least a half a percent higher more on fees for actively managed funds, it is not going to be worth it. Uh, it is not worth it to consistently pay more and then basically leaving it to a coin flip to determine if you're going to end up beating a passively managed fund like an index fund. So don't do it. Instead, just stick with Vanguard's ETFs, VTI, their total stock market fund, or VU, the S&P 500 fund. We believe that is all that you need. Yeah. Sometimes simple is the most effective and simple and cheap. It's the lowest cost. Exactly. It's cheap. All right. Let's, let's talk about Zillow now, Matt. Let's get to that one because I, I found this story fascinating as a mom and pop real estate investor and as someone who likes to go on Zillow. I, I list my rental properties on Zillow and yeah. I listed one just last week and it's a great site for that. But there's one thing that Zillow's not so great at <laughs> and everyone knows it now. Uh, Zillow kind of got pantsed this week, I would say, <laughs> to a certain extent. And they are getting out of the house buying game because what they had done, they were pushing into iBuying, buying homes and then reselling them, hopefully for a profit. And it's kind of become the hot new thing in, in real estate as like multiple Silicon Valley style startups are trying to get in on the profit that can be had through buying and selling homes. Opendoor is a competitor that was doing the same thing and, and they're actually doing better than Zillow at this. Uh, but Zillow, as it turns out, just could not figure it out. Like they were losing money hand over fist and they actually racked up hundreds of millions of dollars in losses and they had to cut 25% of their workforce as a result of like just bungling this up in a big way. Two thirds of the homes they bought they were underwater on. Uh, they lost a few thousand on some, tens of thousands on others, and their stock price tanked as investors left in droves. That's right. And so what can Zillow's recent catastrophe teach us about real estate? Well, first, uh, algorithms have a hard time with something as unique as real estate. Houses, they aren't made from a cookie cutter mold, uh, and it's hard for software to determine how well a house has been taken care of or, or whether that specific location is as good as another house just around the corner. You know, an, an algorithm, it can't smell a weird scent <laughs> that's lurking maybe uh, from a bedroom or a bathroom. Oh, man, I remember trying to buy a house one time and there was like loads of cat cat urine oh in gosh. one of the bedrooms and it's like... I was there. Yeah, well, the, the purple house, <laughs> that's right? That's right, yeah. And an algorithm just can't detect that. I remember that. Uh, and so first of all, yeah, we, we mentioned the, the, the algorithms, the software isn't up to snuff. And then second, it's hard to make money on a short timeline. You know, Zillow was attempting to buy homes, do minimal rehab and cleaning, and then to flip it for a profit, uh, banking on the continued rising values of homes. 
that's a tough business model to pull off. Uh, and the folks who make money in real estate, they put more effort and time into rehabs, uh, or you know, they, they buy and hold and they rent it out for extended periods of time like you and I do, Joel. So we mentioned this because we want you to know that investing in real estate is way different than buying a total stock market index fund. There's a, a lot more friction involved, and it just goes to show that tech, it, you know, it does some things incredibly well, uh, but others, not so much. Uh, we're, we're curious to see how iBuying uh, will fare in the future. And I, th- you know, honestly, I think we will continue to see the technology is going to stick around. It's going to uh, continue to grease the skids and allow us to make some of these transactions uh, more frictionless. But when it comes to the actual decision making and who it is is that that's going to purchase the home, like that is still going to need to come down to an individual. Yeah, and I think for a lot of individuals testing those eye buying waters, if you're selling a home, <laughs> it makes a whole lot of sense, especially if you do have that cat urine home, yeah. because you might find that you get more money offered. Uh, to you by one of the iBuyers than you do from an actual human being. When you're open house, people walk away like holding their nose. Well, then you might want to turn to the iBuyer, see what happens. Uh, but let's talk about refinances, Matt. Let, let's say you wanted to stay in your home and you know rates aren't quite as low as they were earlier this year, but they're still near record lows. And it doesn't look like rates are going to take off like a rocket anytime soon. No. But from, from everything we're seeing, it all signs point to rates going up in the coming months and years. Yeah. And so it's not going to shoot up, but they will be going up sometime soonish. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I've been kind of we've kind of saying that maybe for a while. Well, because we've expected the Fed to raise rates and, yep. and, and everything else to follow, but we just haven't seen that yet. Yes. And and we have seen rates tick up, you know, noticeably over the past few months, but they're still really low. And so it is worth looking into whether a refinance is right for you or not. Uh, if you have owned a home for a few years and you just have never done it, it is a, a good time still to shop around. Around. And we've got an article that we'll link to in the show notes that has some food for thought to help you decide. But like I just said, shop around. Don't do it all in one place. And yeah, we've mentioned this on the show before, but Credible is a great site where you can do that really easily. And you can compare multiple lenders in one place. And that's what you need to do. You go to your credit union too. Look on their look on uh, your credit union's website. See what rates they're offering. But don't just go to one big bank and do that refinance because you're going to overpay. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. And we hope you have a great weekend. And we hope to see you back here on Monday. We'll have an Ask How to Money episode ready for you. That's right. So, Joel, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.